Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois coming up. Rennes and Lille step up the pace in the battle for Champions League qualification while Marseille, Stutter and Lyon lose their way. Coronavirus gets the better of Strasbourg and PSG but Patrick Vieira's niece are in rude health after their derby win over Monaco. We have an exclusive chat with Vieira coming up and much, much more. Now alongside me, in the pod, I have uh, Armel Tangi. Good morning. Good morning, Armel. How are you? How are you doing? Well, I'm fine, thank you. Feeling better than people in Strasbourg. Any reason why you turned up a little bit late this morning? Problems with the transport, or no, none at all. Just uh, you know, just made us wait. Yep. Just made us wait. Okay, fair yep. enough. Fair enough. Robbie was early. Made the trip from the uh, from his bedroom to his. To his lounge. Exactly, in, in, but I was a l- running a little bit late as well, man, it must be you, said. You were, you were in your pyjamas when I arrived, which was not a, a, a pretty sight. I was, <laughs> I was on time, everybody, this morning. We're, we're missing Andy Scott because Andy is, is attending a, a high-level government meeting uh, along with other members of the press with regards the coronavirus situation, which is, of course, uh, affecting a lot of things, affecting life around the planet and uh, affecting football probably in an increasing... Uh, uh, degree over the coming weeks. Absolutely. So it's very early on Monday morning, Matt, is what you're saying as well. It's quite early, but mm. I've had a, a refreshing weekend. The sun was out in Paris. Saturday was was beautiful. I was uh, I was out doing a bit of gardening, had a little walk in, in, in the forest. But let's let, there is a lot of football to get through. There was. There was a lot of football over the weekend. One game postponed, that was Strasbourg versus Paris Saint-Germain. Um, because, like I said, because of the coronavirus, it was decided, the local authorities decided there were, were too many supporters coming from, from high-risk areas. And therefore... Barin, yeah, yeah, the Lower Rhine yeah. region. Um, they call them a, a cluster here oh, in cluster. France. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, a, a lot of people saying, well, hang on, why didn't they just play behind closed doors? It was decided they couldn't sort of reorganise... The, uh, the staging of the game so late in the day. PSG travelled. They, they arrived in Strasbourg and were told, well, actually, there's no game. I think, it's, I think there are lots of interesting talking points about this. If we can just spend a couple of moments on it. Wh- why wasn't it played behind closed doors? I think it's probably because Strasbourg... They refused, didn't they? Yeah, Strasbourg, they yeah. want the ticket, the mm. gate receipts, first mm-hmm. of all. And they also, because PSG at home is one of the biggest games for their exactly. fans. Absolutely. And probably also for their supporters. They want them to be there for not just to help the team try and get the win, but also to, to enjoy uh, the biggest match of the season for them. So it's, it's probably just about fair enough in, in that respect, isn't it? Otherwise, for PSG... Well, the- <laughs> It's fair enough if we think that's going to be, you know, a, a one-off a thing. One-off, but you, you've, yeah. you know, PSG have got games every three days coming up. Mm. You know, hopefully from their point of view, they'll continue in the Champions League. Um, and yeah, you, you you're not going to be able to keep on postponing games. The, the difficult thing I think for PSG, or the hardest thing, is just with all the travel involved and playing every three days. They, if they'd known that the game was going to be postponed a little bit earlier. They would have trained differently. They yeah. would have prepared differently for, for Wednesday's match. It's great saying, look, they've had a week off. Their Borussia Dortmund played, so Paris Saint-Germain are relaxed. But they didn't necessarily train the same way they would train for a game that was in six days' time instead of one that was in two days' time. Everybody was predicting injuries this weekend for Paris Saint-Germain, so that's one positive. Well, they haven't gotten any injuries, yeah. exactly. From, and they, but, but it's not an ideal preparation sense, for a football did you, match Did you either. sense a bit of frustration? I know you work closely with, with the club. I mean... 
you know, Dortmund might be looking at it thinking, well, they're going to get extra rest. But like you say, they, they were prepared, you know, physically trained Absolutely. to play that game on Saturday. They flew to Strasbourg. Which means they didn't train hard would, enough for yeah. what they would normally train because they would have a high intensity 90 minutes of a football. And they would rather have played, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Of course. Particularly once you've travelled there. Yeah. Because it just means now you've got another match that's postponed, another match that you've got to find and in I the think, calendar I think, for. I also think Neymar could have done with more football. Exactly. I, I, thought, I thought he still looked quite sluggish by his own high standards against against Leon. And, and I, there are other question marks. Who's going to play at left back? How are they going to play in midfield? Do they need to work on any any tactical things against a side that you know that they could dominate and try and impose their, their play on? All of that, they missed out on that last rehearsal. But... No injuries. Listen, Rob, more about PSG a little bit later in the pod, but our Breton listeners are, uh, are tuning in very excited this morning and, uh, and quite rightly so. Ren um, with a fantastic victory on Sunday. Ren looking very good commentating uh, this game from Rosen Park. Ren versus Montpellier was Andy Scott. Big to Mawasa. Mawasa on his right foot. What a terrific hit from Mawasa. And Ren have an early lead. Laviente driving into the box, Tay to make it two, Hunu, Hunu scores, Montpellier wait for the offside flag, Hunu celebrates the goal. The rain coming down harder and harder, Camavinga driving forward. Camavinga to Flaviente, Tay at the edge of the box, Tay shot, it's a brilliant goal by Flaviente and it's 3-0 to Red. Opportunity for the home team to go 4-0 up. And by Neon scored a penalty in the cup defeat at Saint-Étienne on Thursday. He is only on the bench today, so Del Castillo steps up and scores. Back to Sasha Boué, stopped in his tracks by Pedro Mendes, and it's going to be another penalty. Ajin Hunu has already got one goal today. He sends really the wrong way. And puts the seal on a tremendous evening's work for Julien Stefan's side. Well, what a what a, a victory, what a performance from Ren. We asked Andy to to offer his thoughts and he he did message in on on WhatsApp saying Ren were were pretty good. So that was Andy's <laughs> input. No, 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 he may actually have said Ren were really good. Um <laughs> and they were it's the first time that they've first scored five goals in a game since they thumped Marcelo Bielsa's Marseille back in March uh, 2016. Uh, it started with a, a sensational strike from Mauasa. We saw Adrian Unu um, take his tally of league goals uh, for the season up to eight. Flaviante scored. Uh, Del Castillo got a got a penalty. Uh, Montpellier has to do it on purpose this time. Yeah, he two did. Goals yeah. In two weeks. He did with yeah, his right, right foot as well, which you know I'm not sure he'll he'll pull that off every week. But wonderful shot from range. Um, Montpellier had chances. They had a lot of chances, and they could have very unlucky not to level just before half time. I think when. Uh, there was a ball cleared off the line and then an overhead kick that hit the post. Mm. Laborde hit, hit the bar. So um, you could say it's flattering, but, but I mean, this was swashbuckling. This was impressive from Wren, wasn't it, Armel? I, th- I think it's, it's a good point well made that Wren were very good because Montpellier in the first half, at least, really put up a fight and 5-0 doesn't really reflect how that first half went. The second half, they were, in Michel Desacari and their coach's own words, eaten by Wren. Um, they were all over Montpellier, the Bretons, and that shows in the scoreline. And you've got now Adrian Unu, who's quite a discreet player in the squad, shall we say. Not one of the bigger names. He's got eight league goals this season, got a couple this weekend. They've, they've got real depth in the squad this season, Ren, and I know a lot of Marseille fans are now uh, sweating a little because Ren are 
heavily breathing down their yeah, neck. Yeah, six and... points now. Ren, Ren, yeah. Ren a third. They're six points behind Marseille. We'll we'll talk about them uh, a little bit. Marseille dropped points, um, but but you're right. It's coming. It's coming good, isn't it? And some even the, the some of the signings who took a bit of time to get going. Flaviante scored a scored a lovely goal. Uh, he struggled a bit in the early weeks of the season. Steven Nzonzi's come in and uh, he's shored up that midfield, and he's probably. Uh, liberated Eduardo Camavinga a little well, bit. He's taken he, a lot he, of pressure off Eduardo like, Camavinga, mm. that's for sure, because Camavinga was running the show at 17 years of age for Ren all of this season. I think in Zonzi, I commentated their cup semi-final, which they lost to Saint-Étienne, a last-minute winner from Budaboos in midweek. But uh, Zonzi is impressive. He, he's good. He plays simple, but you can see he shoulders a lot of responsibility in that midfield. I think that's been an important addition to the squad. A word on Adrian Unu. Last season, he sort of emerged from the shadows a little bit. Um, I think he got seven goals last season in the league, which was his best then. He's He's got past that now. But he's one of those players where I sort of hope he doesn't make a move away to a different club because I think he he's one of those players that they finally find their feet in a football club. They finally start playing well. And he'll get a couple of offers from, you know, a, mm. a mid-table English club and, and somewhere else. And, and, and he'll go and he won't have it as good as he had it in Wren, where he knows everyone, where he's played most of his professional career. And he's one of those players where, I mean, obviously there are things, career choices you make when you move. And I'm not his advisor or telling him not to, not to go and, and offer a move if one comes. But it's one of those players where he could really keep improving at Wren and become an even more important player for them with the experience that comes. And, and, you know, he's doing well, and I hope he stays. Yeah, he started... Uh, I don't think he's a game-breaker. I don't he think he's someone who cent- could go to a different club and become a star in a different club. Yeah. He's one of those club he can men fit into a collective who does well, and exactly. Be, and be useful. I mean, he's played as, a, as an attacking midfielder quite he's a lot. He's played nearly in his everywhere. Career, and he's, he's, he played as a centre-forward on, on Sunday. No Mbai Nyong. Um, and... Yeah, did did a, did a terrific job. Ren have never qualified for the Champions League in their history. I remember when they almost did with Sylvain Wiltord, who came down. I think they were playing Lille back in the the late two thousands or mid two thousands. Mid was this when he came back to the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Wiltord was back, and he came. He'd been. He he was not playing the last game of the season, but he came down onto the sideline. It looked like they were going mm. to qualify for the Champions League for the first time ever. And then Lil scored in, with the last kick of the game, and that was and it was just just destruction mm. for for Ren for all their hopes. But maybe they'll do it this time. That's an there. interesting yeah. talking point as well, though. Do we want Ren in or do France want <laughs> Ren in the Champions League? They were in the Europa League this year, and it wasn't a, a resounding success. I'll go with a yes. I mean, it's Rosen Park is is a great stadium. The Velodrome, of course, historically is the best in France. But well, Dimitri what? Payet said if. We qualify for the Champions League just to sell all our players. Is it really worth? I have to think whether I'm going to hang around. Yeah, but Ren are financially play. in a in a more stable position than Marseille. Mm. Marseille. I mean, Ren are not, as far as I'm aware, under any obligation to sell. I think what's interesting is the sort of changes going on behind the scenes with uh, Olivier Letton uh, uh, standing down or being asked to being stand down, down, being yeah. stood, stood down. down yeah. uh, the former president never really saw eye to eye with Julien Stefan, who is, I think. You know, becoming a more and more popular figure, um, did 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 very well in his first season. Last season, they won the cup, first trophy in four decades or longer since 1971. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I I agree with Armel. I think great if if I think Ren getting into the Champions League. Yes, they may struggle to qualify already for the group stage. Obviously, we want them to get into the group stage, but they have to get through a couple of qualifiers. 
But I, you know, unless I, they I, finish second, I think it's an ince- yeah, I think it's an incentive as well for teams who are well run, who bring through young footballers, who make who make good signings, and they you know they Absolutely. have a public, they have enough. a they have a passion of following, and it's a great way to keep someone like Eduardo Camavinga and Nzonzi for Absolutely. for another season. Yeah. Also, you have to play in the Champions League a first time. Exactly. Let's not assume they'll be. Let's not assume they'll be whipping boys. They beat Arsenal at Rosen Park last season. They knocked out Real Betis. Absolutely. Um, but this year there Europa was a bit League. of expectation on them after that run last year. Didn't and, quite happen. And it was uh, winless, I think. Wasn't but to it? say to, to to suggest that oh, it would be better for France for Lyon or, or Monaco to get into the Champions League, you know, you've got to earn it. You've got to earn it. We'll talk about Lyon uh, soon. Certainly from their league performances this season, they don't deserve to be in the Champions League, and nor do Monaco. Um, yeah, fair enough. Absolutely, mm. I agree with that. Wow, everybody agreeing with me. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> this is a, a first, I think. Let's let let's talk about Leon and let's talk about Lille because um, they are the rivals, particularly Lille, for for Champions League qualification. They went head to head on on Sunday night, and uh, this is the reason Robbie Thompson is a bit bleary eyed this morning. He was he was commentating the game from the stand. Pierre Mora, the cutback for Remy, brilliant goal. Goal number seven of the league on season for Loic Remy. Sanchez shaping to cross all the time and space in the world for Bomber to pick his spot. And instead of driving it into the forest of players on the edge of the six-yard box, he cut it back to Loic Remy's intelligent positioning. And Lille, who have had the better of this opening half hour, lead by goal to nil. Traore. Traore still. Still Traore. Oh, what a chance. What a chance in the 92nd minute, turning Benjamin Andre and Domagoj Braderic inside out and then blasting over with the goal that is mercy. So Robbie Leal keeping a pace with Wren there, still in fourth position, just one point behind Wren after that excellent victory over Leon. A victory, uh, I think it's fair to say, that was well-deserved despite the fact it was only 1-0 in the end. Absolutely well-deserved. Excellent first half from Lille. I, I really enjoyed Jonathan Iconi. Um, playing in that sort of wide role on the right. They've, over the last few weeks, they've changed to a 4-4-2 formation. Which nobody was really playing 4-4-2 in France at the, at the start of the season. Now it seems like it's coming back uh, quite strongly. Uh, the, the ability to move Renato Sanchez back into the middle of the park, there, there are a couple of reasons why this is important because he's got so much, such a high work rate. He He's a perfect foil for Benjamin Andre, who's like just a marauding destroyer who's always just about to to give away a foul just, just to say Rob he's a, a he's a player reborn isn't he Renato Sanchez I know mm. some of our listeners may you know be thinking about a flop at, uh, at Bayern Munich or you know or at, at Swansea City but um no no he you know player, he, he, he was billed as the next big thing when, when he broke through with Portugal he, and he and he obviously wasn't quite ready for a top club, but still a European champion. I he guess, is for, looking for seriously yeah. good. Six and Renato Sanchez, Benjamin Andre, is there a better midfield too at the moment in France? It's, because it's, it's a very good midfield, that's for sure. Because what what Benjamin Andre offers in in fight and grit and just pure determination, Renato Sanchez offers all the technical touches, the vision, the the passing range. It, it's a very nice combination. And then you have the the wide men, Bomba and Iconi on each side who can come inside and 
which is something that Lille didn't do for a long time and certainly didn't do Too last up year. Front. Too up front. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's allowed them to play Loic Remy inside Aussie men. And since he's, I think it's seven starts now, four goals that yeah, absolutely. since no, it's they've mo- started it's playing a, two at the top. So Nobody's scored more goals against Leon in the 21st century than Loic Remy. Seven in 12 appearances against his uh, his former team. And yes, he's he's doing the job and probably enjoying playing alongside the uh, the younger I think it's fair to say more athletic Victor Ossiman, who who is who is just such an impressive footballer. And what what a record they've got at home now, Lille this season. They've really really are the hardest team to beat at home. I think it's fair to say this season they've won eleven of their fifteen games, along with PSG, maybe. Well, I mean, Rouse might say different, but um, but yeah, no, they've you know that they're showing the sort of form that that's really going to help them push on in the end of the campaign and well I said Marseille sweating over Rennes charge but well, exactly. you need to be wary of Lille as, as well Marseille have, lost, have, have not won in their last two at home now mm. after Nantes and now this mm. this very disappointing and I know we're going to talk about it moments later but Marseille is a place where pressure can climb very quickly yep. yeah. onto well, the team's will, shoulders yeah, and will. Lille and Rennes are not playing with that kind of pressure we know that Lille have been very good in their communication this season saying look we've sold all these players, we've had changes, we've brought new people in. It's it's not quite a transition year, but look, you know, they're another team whose Champions League campaign was um, incredibly disappointing. And they're looking like now, only playing one game a week, everyone seems to have settled. They've still got a couple of players on the sidelines, like Yazitski, who the, the Turkish uh, player who's still missing a playmaker. But they're they're a good time ta- a good team and they're starting to find some form. They're finishing very strongly and Marseille should be looking over their shoulders. Question uh, to Rob and to Armel. How good is, because uh, we talk about Aussie men, we talk about various players, Renato Sanchez at Lille. How good do you think Gabriel, the centre-back, is? How, you know, in terms of the season he's having, I know some top clubs are looking at him and I just wonder if he might be the, the, the big money sale this, this summer. I think, I, yeah, go Armel. I think there's, he's a good player and I, I'm, not, I'm not underestimating his, his ability, but I think there's also a lot to be said for the fact that that Lille back line is very heavily heavy in Portuguese communication. What with Jose Font alongside him at centre back, and you've got uh, Renildo on the on the left, and it's it's it says a lot for you know Gabriel's coming into a country where he doesn't necessarily speak the language, and it's made him feel very comfortable when he's got he's been able to put in some really good performances yeah, directed only, by the he's, experience. He's only twenty two. It's probably helped by, last, by Jose Font next to him. Well, mm. last season I know that. Uh, he played only one minute of football in the first six months of last year. He came off the bench and I think, if memory serves me correctly, he played and made a bad mistake in the Coupe de la Ligue match in mid-December for Lille. And there were clubs that came in, and I, I know this for a fact, that asked Christophe Galtier and said, look, can we get this kid, this young kid on, on loan for the second mm. half of the season? He's only played one minute and one in the league and one, one cup game and you know, he, he's clearly not up to Ligue 1 yet. And Christophe Galtier said, no, look, we're really counting on him, yeah. including for the second half of the season. Well, they, when they sold Sumoro in January, didn't they? Exactly, so clearly and that was the knew. big difference. Mm. That's where I was just trying to find out who'd been playing in, in, the, in the middle at the back. Sumoro had injuries as well. He did. I, I, and I get the feeling Gabriel played a little more than that in the first Not in the first half of, half of no? last year, but second half he played. Of he last ended year, up, sorry. Yeah, okay. last yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. played a lot. And then this year, he's been first choice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. look, they've, they've had big raps on him. For a while, even when he wasn't playing, they weren't about to let him go. And now he's fulfilling that potential. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a typical sort of uh, find, uh, Leo. They, they, Absolutely, they, yes. They, they pick up these youngsters. He was a teenager when he joined in and 2016. And I think he scored his first goal. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's had a he's had a lone spell at, at Dynamo Zagreb, but I, yeah, I, I've been really impressed by him, and uh, I know that yeah, big, big and strong, big clubs, powerful, mm. and will only get better. He's one of those players that has all the athletic characteristics that you need for that centre back, and he'll only get better with experience. Now, Robbie Armel Leon, ten points out of the bottom three now. Finish. Sorry, the top three. They've mm. uh, they've uh, they've dropped down to seventh. Are we are we a bit guilty? You know, and I, I included myself in in this week, getting a bit carried away sometimes with Leon. They 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 got two brilliant wins at the start of the season, and we were saying, oh, they're gonna they're gonna challenge PSG for the title. Then last week they had this fantastic week. They beat Mets, Juventus, and uh, and Saint Etienne, and we you know, and Jean Michel Olas, to be fair, the president came out and said, you know, this is fantastic. We always finish the seasons well, and now we're gonna we're gonna steamroll our way to the end of the season, and it's all gone wrong. Well. That- um, that, but, that cup defeat against Paris Saint-Germain must have been a bit of kick in the family jewels for them because for for a long time they were really playing well. For about an hour re- they played well and they lost yeah. 5-1. In and the, then there was yeah. that harsh red card and losing losing 5-1, okay, it's Paris Saint-Germain, but this is Lyon we're talking about. Losing 5-1 against Paris Saint-Germain is going to gonna ha- have an effect on their confidence. Even with 10 men. It, and also Rudy Garcia has basically stuck with the same team the last couple of weeks so they've been playing every three days and I'm not going to criticise that because I think we over we over talk that oh we need to rest players you know I, I think there's something to be said for finding an 11 that works mm. you know obviously you need the players to be fit enough um, but they didn't seem to have the gas um, on, on Sunday night to keep up with Lille so you know it's easy with hindsight to say well maybe he needed to rest Toussaint or it's true, but they changed formation again, Leon. They played with three at the back. They tried to start with five in midfield and then pushed Usemawa back up into a front three and played a 3-4-3. We know that worked against Juventus in in terms of defending against Juventus, but it's difficult to, to create attacking chances. They created very little. There wasn't a single shot on target in the second half from either side, but Leon were chasing the game. Leon needed... They knew that this was a very important match for them and they couldn't, they couldn't do it. Yes, they have been playing a lot of football. Yes, Rudy Garcia has been using all the same players. But I think that's one of Rudy Garcia's strengths in that he did that with Lille. When Lille won the title, they, they won the double, they won the cup as well. Leon, they're into the League Cup final, as we've, as we've already said. They were in the semi-final of the cup. They're still in the Champions League. They're a team and Rudy Garcia, a coach that likes to have a lot of football matches because, as I've as I've said recently, he's a motivator. He's a, he creates these cup teams that perhaps in the league, and it's reflected in this season in the league, they can't do it week in week out. But for cup games, when it's about putting everything out there, leaving it on the pitch, they can do it. And but just, re- sorry, Armel. Just a quick look at their running as well, starting with a home game against Reims, France's best defence, this coming weekend. They've got Rennes to play, they've got Marseille to play, they've got Monaco to play, not even counting that cup final against PSG at the start of April. It's not an easy run-in for Lyon, and with that, that points gap now between them and the top three, it's not going to be easy. Well, I don't think they can finish in the top three now. I think they'll be hoping now, either way, with that League Cup final, if Paris Saint-Germain win it, then that means fifth place becomes a Europa League qualifying place. If they win it, they're into the Europa League. Otherwise, they just go and win the Champions League, and then everyone's happy. Exactly, absolutely. Well, yeah. extra, extra French team in the mm. Champions League as well, Matt. Yes, I, it could well, be Well, should tough. we talk about that quickly? I know we, we, we'll have next week's pod as well to, to talk about, talk about Leon's Juventus, Champions League Leon, yeah. Leon's Champions League win, Luca Tuzar. <laughs> but uh, I think Leon are every chance against Juventus. Why not? We know that the game is probably going to be played behind closed doors mm. 
in in Turin as well, which takes out that element, which could have been a an imposing element for this Leon side. They've got something to defend. I think everyone obviously is saying, look, Leon, uh, Juventus have just beaten Inter Milan, Dybala, Ronaldo, yada yada, biggest team in Italian football, the Serie A leaders. But look, Leon, they're, they're, Leon they just they failed have, to get a shot on target against Leon. They have something to defend in the second half. <laughs> they have something to defend. And they can defend and defend. They don't need to score, so getting shots on target is not a problem. I think they, got finishes one, one, they got one on target. If it finishes nil nil, all fine. One on target first off. Three, I think. Fourteen. One, yeah. one quick final word regarding Leon and their run in. I feel a bit sorry for Jeffrey in Adelaide because if you look at the uh, at social media, he's posting once in a while pictures of him doing a bit of recovery. Yeah. And then you've got Memphis Depay posting four pictures each day of him jumping about six foot in the air when he's what did his cruciate ligament injury about a month and a half ago. <laughs> Must be a bit difficult yeah, to, Depay's to on, manage on, your own comeback. To manage your own social it? media comeback. He, yeah, maybe yeah, he's yeah. trying people. to come back from cruciate ligament injury in like record time in three it's months to, to win the Champions League. And then well, the Euros. Falcao couldn't do it, could he, for the World Cup? And that was yeah. devastating mm. for him. You're listening to the dulcet tones of Robbie Thompson and Armel Tangi, Armel Tangi, league on commentator and, and rugby enthusiast, um, <laughs> regular on, uh, on Le Bourgeois. Um, this podcast that uh, comes to you weekly and that loves to, to hear from you and interact with you. Use the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter or send us an email, ligampodcast at gmail.com. Coming up, we'll have our, our Deja Who. We'll hear from Patrick Vieira. But uh, before that, we're going to talk about Marseille. We, we touched on the fact that they had a disappointing result. Here is what happened. Marseille versus Amiens. This was on Friday night. And again, Robbie Thompson Woo. commentates. Sanson. Oh, and it's gone straight through the gloves of Regis Gertner. It is quite honestly the first chance of the match that's come in first half stoppage time. Nicely done, Germain. Sanson gets it outside with Payet again. Bearing down on goal, Payet still on the edge of the area. Oh, and it's deflected in. And Marseille have their second. With Kodos. Oh, here's a chance. Oh, Girassi, surely a penalty. Yes, he'd almost made a meal of that opportunity, said Girassi. And in the end, he surprised everyone, including Jordan Amavi, who just clattered into him. Now, Girassi to get Amiens back in the game, and he does so. And it's a very, very good penalty as well. And now Samuel Khodos again. Goes past camera. The switch of play is a good one. Calabrese, Khodos is there, and he's equalised. Unbelievable. Well, Robbie, where to start with this one? It, it was looking fairly comfortable. Again, Marseille perhaps not convincing, but 2-0 up. Ten minutes to go, they send on Florian Tova, um, who makes his comeback from injury. First appearance in, in six months. The uh, the velodrome were very excited, delighted to see uh, Tovan. But it just became a bit crazy in the, in the last ten minutes, and Amiens... Ended up getting a 2-2 draw. It just all went wrong. It was all looking absolutely perfect for Andre Villas-Boas' side. There are plenty of talking points in this match as well. Um, Morgan Sanson, he had the only chance of the first half. It came in the first minute of stoppage time. It was a wonderful strike on his left foot that, that the made... The goalkeeper should have saved. Well, I'm was, not sure. Was... That's how it looks. And that's what I said first at, at first viewing. Goalkeeper should have done better. But it actually, it went so fast and moved around in the air that there was very little that uh, the poor keeper could do about it to try and, to try and keep that out, Regis Gertner. That's how you tell a top-level team, isn't it, when they score their only chance in a half? That's what you were going to say. I was going to say that at home, 
looking to bounce back from Nantes, they should be creating more, oh. and that perhaps their 2-0 lead in, with, with eight minutes left to play was a little bit flattering as well. Dimitri Payet could have scored another wonder goal midway through the second half, where he dribbled the entire defence, was denied by Gertner. They then bring on Florian Tovan. Everyone's very happy. Well, he did score as well, a deflected goal, which took a big Payet, deflection, yeah. Payet, mm. um, before coming off. But it, look, it should have been all done. And, and Strotman said after the game, look, if we want, he actually said, if we want to play Champions League football next year, you cannot afford to not win when, you've got, when you're up 2-0 with 10 minutes to go. Tovan coming on, he looked all right. He did a fantastic control from a, a cross-field ball on the right, cut inside, had a couple of half chances to score, but then they just... They just threw it away, yeah. threw it away badly. What, what's interesting, Robbie, is what happened after the final whistle because we had the Godos equaliser in, the, I think, the 95th minute. It was basically... Girassi it, scored a penalty, Girassi which was a, penalty. a little bit... He, he then hit the crossbar with the header like in the very next yeah. minute. And then Marseille had a chance, didn't they? I mean, it was just it was suddenly yeah. end-to-end. Tovan had another, had another chance in between the two goals. And in the 95th minute, Marseille had, had the chance to make it 3-1. And it was a bit of a Ginola against Bulgaria moment from 93 in that I think it was uh, Germain could have kept the ball or Tovan could have kept the ball and he tried to pass to Germain and he got out-muscled. And, mm. you know, it was a case of had Marseille just kept the ball in the corner, I want to throw in, whatever. They'd have been okay. Amiens went up the other end, equalised. And we saw Andre Villas-Boas very frustrated after the game, saying to the referee that there were, there were two fouls in, uh, in the build-up to the second goal. No, no, there, no, there the was even one of the fouls was after... The second goal, he was saying there was a foul on Hiroki Sakai, which, which there was. It was clearly a foul that would have given Marseille one more chance, a free kick on the edge okay. of the area, to try and get the ball back in. So, but he was very polite about it. You know Andre Villas-Boas isn't well, going to A bit angry, but lose. polite. He was yeah. angry, he was aggressive, but he, he's not one to completely lose his head. He wanted to talk to the referee. He got a first yellow card. He continued He said, please, talking. Mr. Referee, would you have the courage to, to answer me? To address these to, issues. To address. <laughs> and the referee just looked at him and then gave him a red card. Which... Exactly. It was a little bit tough. It was a, but, and there was a clear lack of communication as well from, from the young uh, Le Texier, who's a, a young referee with the impeccable hair. From, from an Amiens point of view, I know you're, you're a man that likes to give credit to the smaller sides, Robbie. Amiens. Absolutely. Well, the, you know, the they, biggest thing for Amiens was that they didn't throw in the towel, that they kept going. And you could see Luca Elsner on the sideline revving up his players, saying, come on, come on, we can still, we're going to fight right to the end. And they, they showed that. And since, since the start of February now, they've held Lyon, they've held Marseille, and they've and also PSG. held PSG. Exactly. So it's not form that's going to keep them 16, out of the bottom 16 three. without but, a win. Exactly, they've 16 without a, a win. Mm. They've drawn those games, but they, they need to get these wins. Last weekend's loss to Mess was, yep. was a real, Crushing. another kick in the uh, family jewels ah, once for, again. for them as well, <laughs> Armel, because that was a, a game that they desperately needed the points in. They're in trouble. There's no doubt about that. They're in trouble. It's, it's fine to be able to get draws against teams in the top three or top four mm. or top seven. But you need to win Leon. against you. But you need yeah. to win mm. against the Villas teams. Bars, just to finish, because he seems to have charmed everybody in France. So he lost it. For a, for a couple of minutes, got his red card, and then after the game, he came out and said, "Yes, yes, I it was my fault. I, you know, I was rude to the referee. I shouldn't have done that." And he admitted that he had this moment because he was frustrated by his own mistakes. And he said, he he said that he got the changes wrong. And you know, it's I think everybody had commented on that, but it's so refreshingly honest because he took off Sanson mm. and he took off Payet, and I think they were you know two players that were certainly helping Marseille. Um, to, to keep sort of some kind of uh, balance in, in the midfield. So 
I did find that very interesting. Amiens, by the way, are down in, in 19th position. They've got 23 points. They're 10 points above Toulouse. Toulouse were, were beaten yet again, this time by, by Dijon. Big win for Dijon, who, uh, who uh, go up. Uh, no, they, they, they stay in 16th, but, they, but they're looking good. They're above Saint-Étienne. Um, so Toulouse, I'll just try and say this clearly. Toulouse, 13 points. Amiens, second bottom with 23. You've then got Nîmes on 27. They're in the playoff position. And they are only three points behind Saint-Étienne. Saint-Étienne, who drew 1-1 at home against, uh, against Bordeaux. Let's do our Deja Who, shall we? Um, the Deja Who from last week. Congratulations, listeners. We had, uh, we had plenty of right answers. I started my career at the Stade de l'Abbé Deschamps. I had a penchant for spectacular goals, but could also hold my nerve from 12 yards, as I showed one crazy night in Istanbul. I played for Marseille, Bastia, and I also played in Greece. Guy Roux was the best man at my wedding. It is, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Gibril Cissé. Mm. We had Dr. Wei Chun Lo and Dro Ta Guna on, on Twitter. We've got the right answer. Frederick Otar, Adam Chirilnik and uh, Michael Jones also got the right answer. I enjoy, on, enjoy the fact email. we've got doctors writing in to Absolutely. us and getting things right. It's reassuring. What? The no, we, have a very, we have a very highbrow um, listenership and that is why we're going to be a bit careful with what we talk about the coronavirus because we're not experts. Let's do, uh, let's do our, our deja no, vu. We should have a phone-in from, from, our, from our listeners. Well, Dr. Wei Chun Lu, if you want to get in touch and uh, help perhaps with, with some suggestions for the French government in the coming weeks, that would be fine. So, deja vu for this week. And by the way, you're going to be sending your answers in, hashtag deja vu L1, or, or what was the other one? Uh, the email, leagueandpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> My hometown is best known for its handball team. That's already going to throw a lot yeah, of Yeah, don't worry, they get easier. And I started my career not far away from Grenoble. In France, I also played for Tours, Istres and Montpellier. I finished on top of the world without finding the back of a net and have spent quite a lot of time sitting around near a touchline in London recently. So if you think you know the answer, it is hashtag Deja Who L1 or on the email... Uh, leak and podcast at gmail.com these right are, these are getting more and more difficult these aren't they well, I, I think that one's getting a little bit easier oh no? really yeah oh. the handball question is is completely Threw cryptic and impossible I was thinking Casper yeah. Dolberg immediately <laughs> Paris well, Saint Germain like their handball as well Croatia mm. Germany Scandinavians so uh, the big one is fast approaching Paris Saint Germain the last three years have been knocked out of the last 16 stage it didn't look good that first leg in Dortmund, but 2-1 is not a disastrous result. Robbie. <laughs> yes. PSG, are, okay, they go- are, they, are they going to turn Matt, it around? it was absolutely not a disastrous result. No, what what I, is I, a I, disastrous I, result in a first leg away in the Champions League? 2-1 I, is I not, a not a disastrous result. I just said it was not a disastrous result. Okay, sorry, I thought you said it was a No, a I said the performance wasn't good, but it was not a disastrous okay, result. Absolutely. Thank you. Sorry, I'm already prickly on the defensive, you see. Yeah. It's... Uh, well, it's also because you and I had a, a running, not a running battle, but a, a little bit of banter leading into the game. You were saying that that there's no way Tuchel would play four four two in Germany. I don't think you were expecting a three four three. I think you were expecting a four three three like before. But I was I was convinced he was going to play a four four two. I was surprised when he didn't, and I suspect we will see a four four two this week um, again. 
like I like I expected away. So just in case people Park. didn't didn't get the gist of what you're saying, I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> you were a, you were right insofar as we didn't play four four two. You were wrong insofar as we didn't play four three three. But um, there are plenty of question marks for this uh, PSG side at the back because do you at the back is Thiago Silva going to be back? Is he going to is he going to captain the side? You tell us what he's he been, hasn't he's, played. He's been back in training since when? He has been back in training. He's he trained with the team on Saturday morning um, for the first time collective training. So that in theory means that he's back. He would have trained harder on Sunday to, to compensate for the fact that he didn't play in the game against Strasbourg, but then nobody did. <laughs> the team actually had uh, Sunday off. So Thiago Silva was one of the only players, along with Ghana, who came into train on Sunday, mm-hmm. coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the team had the, had the day off just to try and relax, not, uh, not get too worked up, cut a, have a little break from the football again. What was, what was wrong training with Idrissa Gay? Just a knock, I think. Just a knock. Because that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Because he's the sort of reliable midfield uh, member that they've got available. Very defensive element Robbie, does PSG go for the throat or do they... I mean, it's important to have some sort of balance, isn't it? Because if Dortmund score first or if Dortmund get their noses in front, it's going to be an even tougher challenge. The question... Yeah, it's an interesting one, but it's always been that that question as well. We had that question last time against Manchester United, do you... against, Against Barcelona, do you go for the throat? Do you try and... And kill the game off? Do you try and defend? Do you try and... I mean, Paris need to score. So in, that, in so far as that. But they have scored in every single game except one under Thomas Tuchel. Since I thought he's it been was in. two. No, <laughs> that was my little joke uh, to the coach before the, before the press conference on Saturday, for which he punched me quite hard in the arm. Yeah, do, do, <laughs> do, check well. out, do check out uh, Robbie on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Ronaldinho. 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 The Australian Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho fourteen. Yeah, so do chat Robbie out on Twitter because he's, he's he has he puts these amusing chats that he has with with, with Thomas Tuchel up there. I still um, got a bruise as well on the on, on Armel, the left do you, arm. Do you, do, you, do you think they're gonna they're gonna do it? I mean, it's it's tough to call, isn't it? Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll do it. Um, ah. they're they're one of those teams I that think do they it. they put so much pressure on themselves. But there's always there's always one moment of release. Um, they'll celebrate it like they've won the whole competition afterwards, and then. You know, my prediction is they'll probably get knocked out in the next round. I hope not for the sake of French football, but I, I anyway, what? It doesn't matter because Lyon are winning the competition. So true. Yeah, as we mentioned, wouldn't well, that they be might great not... for French football? Yes, that would yes. be great. I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I, I don't know if I agree. Possibly, uh, I think they've been so hammered um, by the media and everybody since since that first leg, and they'll be that'll give them extra resolve. I mean, you know, they'll be. They'll be determined, but they're up against a really, really and good, good team, aren't a, they? A lot, a lot of opinion is that this is sort of, I know, say that every year, but the year for PSG to do it because Mbappe is going to be uh, at the centre of a huge transfer tug of war in the summer, isn't okay. he? Neymar, I- and there aren't any teams that are looking invincible. And Bayern look very impressive at Chelsea. We'll and when, keep when you my pencil, sorry. When you look at other teams' front lines. <laughs> PSG's is the best in Europe. I get this yeah, my, but it's my own been that way. We've said that for the last couple of years as well. That I really think that there's incredible pressure on the team just to get through this match. It's an incredible pressure on the players, on the whole club, mm. everyone on 90 minutes of football, maybe 120 minutes of football. But if they can get through this, and it doesn't matter how, you can have uh, in the 92nd minute. Haaland hits the crossbar with a rocket from 25 metres out. Paris go up the other end, get a dodgy penalty, score the penalty, go through on away goals. 
and that will just be an incredible release. Paris would take that result, I think, course, just to get through because it is this pressure cooker environment on the club, on this one fixture, which everyone has been talking about. Everyone has been building the pressure on them since the draw was made in December. We've gone through the, oh, it's a, it's a good draw. It's a, it's a draw that, that Paris Saint-Germain can hopefully, you know, can look to get through without too, much, too many problems. Everyone, myself included, probably underestimated Borussia Dortmund a little bit in France, not, not perhaps outside. But the fact that they just need to get through it, that they're not in a bad position, if they get through it, I think they can go a long way. But everyone was saying, Armel, that perhaps this is Paris's year after the first leg against Manchester United last season. True. And Paris were looking very good. Mm. We always say, leg. even going back to the Ibrahimovic days, um, these are the nights where Ibrahimovic has to, has to produce. And we're saying that now for Neymar and Mbappe. And in many respects, it is. That's that. But, but also, when you think back to last year, what PSG have got to avoid is gifting goals away because mm. Kerrer and Buffon last year well, made terrible all three, mistakes all three goals Kate, were, it was, it was but third, it was yeah. surreal that's what Thomas Tuchel said as well he said if, look you, you can look at history and look at the history of Paris Saint-Germain over the last eight years yes it looks as though there's a pattern but look at the game against Manchester United Kerrer's back pass for the first goal Buffon makes his not only mistake of the year but certainly biggest mistake of the year and then you have a 50-50 penalty call in the last the minute that goes against you. Because everybody can feel this, this I'm, tension. And I'm just gonna... Exactly, which is what I'm saying about yeah. how you just need to get through it. You just need to break this, this cycle. I'm not worried about that at the back this time. Kaylor Navas is PSG's best player in Europe this oh, season. I'm, him, I'm not worried about that. Oh, <laughs> Kaylor. I agree, Armel. No, he does. He, he, you know, he looks... He looks like he belongs on that stage. Not, mm. not that Buffon doesn't belong on that stage. <laughs> uh, Buffon never but, won the Champions League. True. Um, three times. But, but yeah, I just think it's so important not to give goals away because Haaland or Sancho might produce something brilliant. There's every chance they will. There's every chance Dortmund will score at least a goal. But let's, you know, PSG, let's but not Paris give will them score. anything. Let's Paris give them will anything. score. There's no doubt. Paris always score, except once. I'm going to have a quick <laughs> rant, Robbie. I'm going to have a quick good girl because it is okay. Champions League week and I've been wanting to get this one out for, for quite a while. So here we go. Oh, merde. Quelle bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. All I, all I want to say, really, it's just because it's an argument, a debate that comes up in France every year and it, it annoys me every year where you, you, you listen to the radio, you, you, you put the telly on, you hear people saying, come on, we've got to get behind PSG now on Wednesday night. I don't want to see um, supporters of other teams wanting them to lose. You know, this is for France. It's for the coefficient. It's for French football. Mm. No, 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 no. This is club football. Marseille supporters are well within their rights and should absolutely want PSG to lose. Lyon supporters uh, would want Saint-Étienne to lose and of course Saint-Étienne will celebrate if Juventus turn it round that's what football is about it's tribal and please 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 can we understand that if listen if there are Marseille fans who out there who would quite like to see PSG go through because they're very um, patriotic or whatever fine but let's not tell people what they should think okay Actually, if there are Marseille fans out there that want PSG to go through, get in touch and tell us why, because... You're weird. I, it, no, yeah, no, it doesn't it, sound I, right. agree, I agree, Matt, 100% with what you're saying. Mm. And I think it is, a, it is something special. I don't know if it's special to France. Maybe it's a, a, a question in other, other countries as well, but certainly in England, in Australia, in, where a club is a, an, in all, across all codes, obviously, all codes of, of sport, you certainly don't support your, your arch rivals mm. in any competition. No, no. And But the French often ask you, and they'll, they'll ask you when uh, Lyon are playing an English side or Marseille are playing an English side, 
they know that I work for the the people that we work with know that I work very closely with Paris Saint Germain, and they'll say, "Oh, loyalty is a bit divided." Today and, and then you uh, remind them that you're an Aussie, and then they'll yeah, say, exactly. "Actually, yeah." But honestly, well, actually, without <laughs> without giving away my allegiances, growing up, one of the best nights of every season for me was when Man United got knocked out of the Champions League or got knocked out of Europe, and it happened almost every season. And you know, it happened against Galatasaray, Monaco, and teams like that, and it was brilliant. Big City fan over here, and you know, it's partly because my and team, now when my City team was knocked out that level, there. let's uh, listen. We haven't heard from speaking about. Um, my allegiances and what happened. And Man City. I think yeah. we all Man know City. Man's allegiances. We haven't heard from, uh, from Patrick Vieira. Which not Manchester at all. Listen, Nice got a great, a great victory. It was a derby victory against Monaco. Um, let's hear some commentary. Let's hear what happened from the Alliance Riviera with Ian Holyman. Oh, and away he goes, Ben. Yeah, that was a lovely first time ball. With some Ben Yedder. Gorgeous finish from a man who's banging form. And Monaco have the lead in the derby. Here's Dolberg. Hasn't had a clear sight of goal. Unas. And here's Dolberg now. And he just needs the one side of goal, does Kasper Dolberg, to bring these level. Still Alexi Claude Moritz, nicely done. Here's Musawake. And Dolberg! Oh, he's done it! Kasper Dolberg nips in at the near post. And he picks the pocket of Monaco. So Nice coming from behind and clinching all three points in the derby. They are fifth equal. They're level on points in the league now with uh, with Raus. Kasper Dolberg with uh, with the two goals, a couple of very very clever finishes, a glancing header, and then a very deft flick with his uh, with his left boot in the dying seconds. Um, a game. I don't know. Uh, did either of you catch this one? A game that Monaco will feel very, very frustrated to have lost because they uh, they took the lead through Ben Yedda, who got his 18th of the season with a wonderful goal. It was actually a lovely move and a wonderful mm. dink, dink finish from, mm. uh, from Ben Yedda. Um, they hit the bar, they hit the post, they, they, they had a lot of chances. And actually, even after Dolberg equalised at 1-1, I think in added time, Golovin hit the underside of the bar, so it could easily And they been. were at 10 men at that point. They were at 10 men at that point. Jovicic mm. had, had got sent off. 10th mm. red card of the season for... For Monaco, their top three chances um, are falling or have fallen now by the wayside. Mm. I think it's fair to say. But Nice, Nice going great guns. Well, going great guns, no. But getting results. But getting results. Because they've got a proper centre forward. And he's he's really growing into into the player that many thought he'd be a few years ago. I, I love watching him. He's he's not necessarily the, the most involved. But when he does get involved, he can play with his back to goal and... And he's he's strong. He's he's quick on his first touch, and he can finish. And he showed that his second goal was the smiling assassin. Would you call him? Probably not. No. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. So Armel, Armel's talking about the uh, for, the, for the Danish mm. international Casper Iceman was his uh, nickname when he was at Ajax. He joined from Ajax uh, in the summer. Uh, nine goals, two assists in his last twelve home starts. He's got eleven league goals. Uh, this season and uh, yeah it's what Nice lacked last season a a proper centre forward Armel had the pleasure of talking to Patrick Vieira met him down in Nice uh, recently and this is what Patrick Vieira had to say about his uh, centre forward Kasper Dolberg It's really difficult when you are a young talented player who spend majority of the time on the bench and when you look at Kasper in the last couple of years uh, at Ajax he didn't play very much as much as uh, he wanted to to keep de- developing himself, 
And, uh, and I think this is a danger for young players who have talents. They need to play every week to keep progressing, to keep improving themselves. And, uh, and that is the reason why he decided to leave. And I'm really happy that he decided to come to, to us because there were so many teams who wanted him. So we managed to convince him. And, uh, and yes, it is a, a special talent. Uh, he's a, a team player. He is um, technically, uh, technically really good. He's a really smart kid who can play in a really tight space, but he is capable of running behind the back four to stretch the opposition, uh, opposition team, uh, and he can score goals. So I'm, uh, I'm glad that he's with us. In the last couple of weeks, he's been improving his game, and, um, and he, will be, uh, he will be a top player. Well, I think there are lots of interesting things uh, to take from First of all, Armel's chat with Patrick Vieira, but also what's happening down at Nice. And I think what Vieira said about Balotelli and Dolberg, I think it's, it's very clever. I hope that they've learnt from their mistakes, Nice, because Jean-Pierre Rivera came back as president under, under the new regime led by Ineos, um, taking over the club from, from Chen Li, who had it before. I know we've spoken about the change in ownership, but I think it's interesting that they've They've changed from going for the, the Balotelli's, the Wesley Snyder's. They were looking for these big names to try and make a splash. Instead, they've pulled things back. They've gone and tried to look for good players who weren't playing, as was the case for Dolberg at Ajax. They've worked hard to bring them in, and they've got these players that play for the good of the club. And they have an ambitious project, but they're not, they're not pulling the spotlight onto them and saying look, here we are, we've got Balotelli, we're going to qualify for the Champions League, we're, we're, we've got Wesley Schneider, we're going to do this. They're doing it intelligently, and I really like the way, and I don't think they're playing spectacular football yet, they're not playing, but they're not saying, we're here, the entertainers, we're, going to, we're, we're, we're shooting above our standing, you know, we're punching above our weight. What they're doing is very intelligent, and I really like it, and I hope that it continues to build, and I hope one day we do have players like Balotelli that come back to Nice, but not now. It's too early. They're doing it very well at the moment. Everything for me is, is looking very good down there. And just to say, you can listen to the uh, whole interview that Armel did with Patrick Vieira on, uh, on Le Bourgeois' webpage. It will be published later in the week. Do, do keep your eyes peeled. And we also have an interview available now with Alex Chaffer, the Bundesliga expert, talking about Dortmund and uh, their chances against Paris Saint-Germain. So do check that out as well. Armel, just... Uh, a word with you because it's uh, it's very rare to get such a, a long one-to-one um, -one chat with, with with somebody like like Patrick Vieira. When you came away from that interview, what did you what did you think? How was he? First of all, as a did he seem like relaxed and happy and and you know he enjoying did. his job? Yeah, 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 he did. He seemed uh, ambitious as well because um, it was in a period where well, I did the interview a couple of weeks ago now, and it was a period where Nice hadn't lost too many games in in the in the previous couple of months or so and I asked him if it was the you know the best period that he'd uh, that he'd had at Nice and he said no definitely not and I don't want to be saying that this is my best period because I'm aiming high and I think it's interesting that you mentioned the punching above their weight because I really think Nice are Dante is the only player above 30 in their squad and he's 37 it's mm. it's it's quite incredible that with a team that young, it really is that young, their average age is about 23 years old, they've got 
very little experience. Erel, who played at Troyes before going to Nice, is their second most experienced player, to put it into context. And for them to be on 41 points, sixth in the table, with real ambitions of qualifying for the Europa League, I think is testament to the the job that Vieira's doing, because to, to keep such a, a young group focused is is really quite something. And he, he made the point to me a number of times that his his job is to really make everyone understand that it's about the group and not about the individuals. And I think that's half the battle with such a young team. Dante, uh, 36, as producer Sorry. Ian points out. So he's not 37 <laughs> until he turns 37 in uh, October. So just w- w- would you say the fans are being harsh then? Because a lot of the fans have been on Vieira's back saying we're not enjoying the football that, mm. that, that Nice are playing. Yes, they've ground out quite a few 1-0 victories. Um, obviously, the Derby win is going to help him. Um, do you think they're being a bit unrealistic? I do. I do. I mean, I, I can understand why you'd get carried away in a, in a league where there's not necessarily immense financial backing all over the table. That once you've got these um, these money-rich backers coming in, that, that fans should get carried away. But I genuinely think that you're not going to get anywhere by firing coaches every every year and a half or so. And if they give Vieira time and if they bring in a few more experienced players this this summer, they'll see the fruits of his work. I think I, I think he's uh, I think he's going to be a top coach. I think he's he's doing things the right way as well. Absolutely. The experience he got at a youth level at, at Man City and then in New York and now now you know this is a fantastic experience for him. What what he's getting at needs because he is working with young players, but he's working with internationals. He's you know he's working at relatively big big club in France with big ambitions yeah with history and also and, and perhaps this shouldn't be understated either he's working with a man called Julian Fournier who's the sporting director and he is a very intelligent man he was there when Marseille had for a long time at Marseille when Marseille had uh, their best period of the since the turn of the century he's a he's a man who was at the project before he left with Jean-Pierre River the the president to to make way for the the sale to Ineos He's come back once Ineos came back and they're building this and they're, they're giving their faith in Patrick Vieira. He knows that he has a, a solid project, but he has to be pragmatic. That's what coaches have to be. Last season, we saw they could hardly score a goal. We know that Balotelli didn't score a goal for the first six months of the of the year, but uh, they have, and we haven't talked about their players, and I think the players are important as well. We talked about their ages, but players like Malang Saar are really coming on as well. He was a kid who looked, you know, he was given opportunities by Lucien Favre but sometimes he didn't look quite certain he didn't look like the the player he is he's a, a local boy done good Pierre Lesmelou is one of the more experienced yeah, players and player. he is the Very perfect example of a team player no ego whatsoever mm. always putting the team first other exciting young players Danilo Barbosa is another one mm. the the young Brazilian who was brought in as a center back as a central midfielder has been playing center back you know they've got they've He's got options all up, over the park. Alexis Claude Maurice is starting to look like yep. a player. Adam Unas has yeah. got his confidence back after so perhaps another good summer in the transfer market. And Nice could be you know challengers for the, the summer three. in the transfer market. Yep. Yes, it, yep. the, their president a couple of weeks ago said they need to recruit experience now. So hopefully that'll happen. Then Nice can kick on. Nice are behind Rouse on goal difference. Rouse doing incredibly well. They're in fifth position. We've mentioned that they have the best defence in France. They got another clean sheet. One nil. They beat the entertainers. El Bilal Torres. Well, you know, if you're Rouse, you can't really complain, can you, with the champagne results? Champagne football. The results they're getting. It's not yet champagne football, but hey, if they can get into Europe, that would be quite something. The team that reached two European Cup finals 
in the late 50s, early 60s. It was just, just in the just late, late 50s, 50s. Just in the late, late 50s. 50s. Uh, a word about Pedrag Rajkovic, who was phenomenal again. The goalkeeper um, at round saved a penalty from Alexandre Mendy, made another superb stop as well. Mm. Uh, what a first season he is having, even though Andy Scott thinks he looks like sick boy from... From train spotting, I heard Pierre Menez actually last night on Canal Plus, who who said he looked like some other bad guy uh, from a film, but I can't remember. What he was he was talking about Draco, but it wasn't the Draco from Harry Potter. He does no, look maybe, a bit like Draco from Harry Potter. He doesn't look like Drago from uh, Rocky Four. Yes, yes, it that's was. what he said. That's yeah. Tom Amenia, isn't it? <laughs> maybe time for a, time for a bon voyage, fellas. I think we're rambling. So let's have it? a look. Let's have a look forward to next weekend, and uh, let's pick out a game we want to go to. I'll be off to back to Group Armour Stadium, where I've been spending a little bit of time recently. Huge game for them against Reims. Their Leon strength is trying to play to their attacking strengths with their attacking players. We know Bruno Gamareš is is a player who's making things happen there. This is a big test for them against Reims, a direct rival now because we know that if Paris Saint Germain win the two cups, fifth and sixth place will be Europa League qualifying spots as well. Huge stuff for Leon, especially with uh, Juventus coming just after. I think I'll go to Montpellier on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Montpellier, Marseille, an interesting game. Two teams needing to to kick on now. Montpellier having been battered by Rennes this weekend and Marseille obviously needing a win now. It's been a while and they're two teams that don't really like each other. I think it's fair to say there were a few red cards when they met at the Velodrome. So that'll be an interesting one. I'm going to go to the Parc des Princes on Sunday because... PSG are playing Nice and it's going to be crisis time four days after their Champions League elimination. Thomas Tuchel's men, will Tuchel be sacked? Will Mbappe join Paris, uh, join the Real Madrid? What are Paris Saint-Germain going to do after their fourth straight? Oh, I'm sorry, Robbie. Robbie, Robbie is oh staring God, what's daggers What's going at me. on? My Patrick, world is just crumbling down around me, Matt. Patrick Vieira's niece inflicts more misery at the part they pronounce or PSG will be in the quarterfinals and they'll secure a routine win over Nice but either way I will there's no such thing as a routine win Matt routine wins don't exist oh sorry yeah just look at the Amiens game finish four all exactly routine (laughs) 4-4 draw it's a big week it's a big week for (laughs) Paris Saint-Germain and for French football we will be back with uh, all the latest uh, next week thank you very much for following Le Bourgeois, don't forget that we've got this exclusive Patrick Vieira interview available for download in the next couple of days. Keep your eyes on Twitter. Keep your eyes on Le Bourgeois web page. And we will see you again very soon from Armand Tangi, Bobby Thompson and me, Matt Spiro. It's au revoir. Et à bientôt. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Au revoir. That's over. surely won it in the 89th minute. Oh, what a goal.